It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we've talked all week long about the Raptors side of a potential Kevin Durant trade negotiation. Well, today we check in with Adam Armbrecht of Locked On Nets to get his read on where the Nets sit, what they're looking for in a potential KD deal, will they have to move off of their original asking price, and we try to come to some sort of agreement with a little mock trade negotiation as well. That's all coming up on your crossover edition of Locked On Raptors with Locked On Nets. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1211 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, July the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On the House. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe over there as well. We've seen some awesome YouTube numbers, new subscribers lately. Really appreciate y'all jumping on and uh, thank you in advance for taking the leap if you have yet to do so, but plan to in the near future. You're all lovely. You're my 2,300 best friends in the whole wide world. All right, on today's show, which is of course your first listen of the day, we are joined by Adam Armbrecht of Locked On Nets for a little crossover episode to talk about where the Nets sit in the potential KD negotiations. Do they find themselves in a position of power or weakness based on the fact that they have the two disgruntled superstars who have thrown their franchise into disarray. We get into where the Raptors are coming from, why Scotty Barnes is probably untouchable in a deal, and we try to come up with a bit of a mock negotiation as well. We don't actually end up coming to a deal because these things are very hard, but lots of great conversation in this one, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's kind of what Lockdown does best, these crossover episodes with two local experts coming together to meet the minds. Uh, without further ado, let's get to it. The conversation with myself and Adam Armbrecht of Locked On Nets about KD, Scotty Barnes, and where the Raptors and Nets might be able to come to some sort of agreement. And with that, my friends, Sean Woodley. We've I've already said your name so many times, we haven't even begun the conversation, <laughs> but how have you been, man? As we were talking before we started, you and I connected very early days when Doug and I joined the Locked On Network, and it feels like it's like connecting with an old friend. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a little while since we chatted. The Nets and Raptors haven't exactly, uh, I think, been in the same sort of conversation circles the last couple of years. 
you know, I guess they were kind of in the play-in race together last season, so that <laughs> might have been cause to get together for a chat. But uh, the Raptors blew past the Nets pretty quickly, so it kind of left it uh, not so interesting. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's nice to have our teams back kind of in the similar conversations, the same Venn diagram of uh, NBA speculation and buzz. Because, uh, man, we love transactions and we love the Nets. At least, I, I mean, I don't love the Nets. I like talking to people who like the Nets. You're, you're, you're an acceptable Nets fan. There we go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you love the prospect of getting some of the best players from the Brooklyn Nets, right? So that would be all right. I'm not going to complain if that happens. No. It, it's so fascinating, too. And we're we're going to get into the trade scenarios on the back end of, of this discussion. But uh, as you rightly pointed out, I think the first thing is what is the state of the franchise on, on both sides of this? Because as soon as Kevin Durant gets, well, as soon as he requests a trade, and now that name gets thrown out there, well, the NBA landscape. It hasn't shifted yet, but it feels like all of a sudden there's so many more teams that go, oh, maybe we're doing something totally different than we've been doing for the last two or three seasons, right? So mm -hmm. on Toronto's side of it, where is this team right now? They're a few years removed from a championship. They obviously have veteran talent, familiar talent, and a guy like Siakam and a guy like Butcher. We know that Trent Jr. and these young talents and OG and everything else, but where do they see that? Where do they see themselves coming into this offseason before? Kevin Durant's name got thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the plan was really to run it back as best as possible. And they've already kind of achieved that part. So, like, that goal is taken care of. And now if this Kevin Durant thing falls out of the sky, then, you know, things can kind of pivot from there. But this was a team that last year wasn't expected to go and win 48 games. I think their Vegas over-under was 36 and a half. I was a little higher on them going into the season. I think I picked them to go 42 and 40 and kind of get into the play-in range. But they have a knack for winning games man like the tampa season is the outlier here and it's because half the team got covid all of the best players got covid <laughs> right. and they went one in 13 in march and it kind of was like well what do we do now i guess we just sort of ride this thing out and tank for scotty barnes and that worked out pretty darn well but for the most part this is a franchise that kind of gets the most out of its guys that wins yeah. a lot of games and i think their thinking was, wow, like we barely had our team together last season for different injuries and COVID and things that all took place. I think the starting five played like 15 or 16 games together all season long. And, you know, Precious Achua went from being like an unplayable mess at the start of the year into being like this catch and shoot big man who was dunking on Joel Embiid in the playoffs and guarding Embiid and Harden on the same possessions. And I think the thinking is, well, you get a little bit of growth from Scotty Barnes, who was just the rookie of the year. You get some more growth from Achua. You get a little bit more refinement from Pascal Siakam, some more role definition for OG and Gary Trent Jr. And this team can go and win 50-plus games next season. Like, that is totally on the table. It's a team that plays a really sort of nasty and difficult to beat in the regular season defensive style as well. And so I think they're pretty comfortable running it back and just hoping for internal development in a few different areas like shooting, a little bit of playmaking to help them kind of get over the hump and just continue this sort of growth period. This is not a team that is at the end of some phase like they kind of were back in 2018 when they traded for Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Like those comparisons to the KD situation just don't hold any water to me because that team was at the end of its line and it lost to LeBron and gotten swept you know, three times in a row. And it just kind of needed a shakeup. This team doesn't need a shakeup, but because of the way they've built the team, because they have all these guys on really good, reasonable contracts who are young and talented and getting better, 
they're kind of always lurking and in a position <laughs> to strike when something like a Kevin Durant trade demand comes up. And like, I think that's where they need to be. They're not a free agency destination. They're not going to go and sign the big, you know, marquee guy. But they are a place where they know they can get guys in and succeed with them. And in a lot of cases, convince them to stick around long term. Kawhi is the exception, not the rule when it comes to that. And I think anytime a superstar comes up, even if they don't get Kevin Durant for the next three, four five years, they're going to be one of those teams that's in the conversation because they have all the goods to get deals done. Yeah, it's what's fascinating about teams like Toronto. I mean, you know, you saw the Golden State Warriors just win, but even the Boston Celtics, like I always find it interesting teams that and when you look at Toronto, you say, man, they just seem to get ahead of the curve on. We're going to want a lot of length, right? We're going mm-hmm. to want some versatility at multiple positions. We draft well. We develop our talent well. Nick Nurse has always been regarded right since day one. Seemingly, this is a guy that understands the process and how to kind of move through the ebbs and flows, how to have his organization say, we're taking a shot on Kawhi Leonard, maximize that, and it may not be back again. So w- when I look at teams like that, I often think, well, they should be outliers for for you know teams that would want to be involved in these discussions because they kind of already have it in their mind. Now, there's a difference between, like you say, maybe falling back to the pack and wanting to build back up gradually versus taking your shot, but there is a volatility, right? And you're talking about taking all that young talent or the pieces that you feel like maybe you you capitalized on Precious Achua kind of falling from grace and then being a reclamation project. Now you're talking about using all that to go and acquire a player like Kevin Durant. Now, the, mm-hmm. and the Nets did the same thing, right? Like they did the same thing, building up and making themselves attractive. They had their own from Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell, right? Like, so teams can show that. I, I do wonder now, though, at this point, as you say, coming off the last couple of seasons for Toronto, when they look at their roster, are there untouchables here? You know, if they came into this offseason, and not even necessarily Kevin Durant, but just other opportunities came up, discussions around trades, are there guys on this roster? And we all know Scotty Barnes is going to be the first name on that list. Is mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes truly untouchable? I, You know, rookie of the year, that means a lot. I'm not knocking him in any way, shape, or form. He's obviously not a finished product yet, and that almost makes it more exciting, right? (laughs) To to be that good and still say, and there's more here. But is he a name that no matter what what discussions we may have later in this episode, there's no world where Scotty Barnes gets moved. There's no world where OG or Trent or Siakam, right? Are there untouchables right now in Toronto's eyes? I think the only guy you could say is untouchable is Scotty Barnes. And I think the only way they would ever trade Scotty Barnes is if a slightly younger superstar was like, yeah, all right, it's time. If Giannis is like, you know what? This Bucks team is old and ragged around me and I want out. Uh, Masai is Masai Ujiri's, or sorry, Giannis is Masai Ujiri's special boy. I think he's trading Scotty Barnes for Giannis immediately if that happens. But when it comes to Kevin Durant, I kind of think Scotty's untouchable because he's 20 years old, man. He's got like at least eight years of team control, maybe more left trading that for four years of a window where like a single playoff rolled ankle for Kevin Durant derails a season. Like, I think it's too big a gamble and it leaves too much on the other side for the Raptors to say, yeah, okay, this 20 year old is worth Kevin Durant right now. He's the only guy who I would say is untouchable, but in a different context, he might not be. I just think in this specific one, they're not under any pressure to make a trade, kind of like what we talked about. They're good. They're talented. They're growing like they just won a title three years ago. You still got that sort of glow that you're basking in. I think they're going to play this smart with Scotty, and I I just don't think it's in their sort of nature as a draft and develop team that likes to play the long game to go and trade him for a 34-year-old star. 
And we'll touch back on him later as far as the trade scenarios. But but quickly on OG Ananobi, he's yeah. an interesting one to me because he has an injury history, a somewhat consistent injury history. Um, and while he has three years of control left, Doug and I had talked about this even before the speculation around this piece of it, just OG in general. And it was, boy, at 17 and change and 18 and 19 million, like you love it. You love it and you want more of it. but Ridiculously want, good contract. <laughs> right. But do you want to be the team that pays him the next contract? And that's, I think, what's in, you know interesting to your point about Toronto, where they're at right now. It's, well, you're basking in this glow, but what do the next three years look like, right? I think it's yeah. two years left on Siakam. So what is the back end of Siakam's contract now? Are you automatically bringing him back? And then OG, it's like, this is where I think it is. it is a little intriguing about these discussions because it does feel like, if you're a smart organization, as Toronto has been, you're maybe trying to get out ahead of it and say, if we can maximize what OG's value might be right now, it probably behooves us because we don't know if we want to be talking about 30 plus 35, $40 million a year contracts for OG Ananobi. That that mm -hmm. would be really hard for us to, to stare down the barrel of in three seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that the fear of paying OG like 35, like a max or whatever, I don't think that really has crept into my mind just yet. Because like if he starts playing to the degree that he deserves that, then okay, sure, play, pay him a max. I just don't think he has shown off like max player stuff right now. Like he does a lot of great things. Don't get me wrong. OG is awesome. He is, <laughs> I feel like to me, a lot of players get paid <laughs> for, you know, max dollars when they haven't maybe proven, you know, whatever. Exactly. The no, NBA totally. landscape, yeah. Yeah, I, I think with OG, like, he is one of the best defenders alive. Like, it's full stop. Like, if you swapped him and McCall Bridges, there would be no drop-off for the Suns. And you might mm -hmm. actually be a better defensive team because OG can kind of guard up a little bit more than a guy like Bridges can. He is one of, like, maybe 10 guys alive who could legitimately say they can guard one through five. He's great guarding point guards. He was, like, nasty guarding Trey Young in crunch time situations last year, just as he was nasty guarding Nikola Jokic in games against the Nuggets, right. where he was, I believe, one of the two or three best defenders of Jokic when it came to opposing field goal percentage all season long. Like, he's ridiculous on that end the offense is a little bit more sort of eye of the beholder some people think there's a little bit more creative upside there I'm a little bit cooler on that just because I'd rather see him kind of operate in the gaps sort of to me the ideal role for OG is what Pascal Siakam was on the championship team in 2019 kind of right. using the gravity of the stars around him to get really easy buckets for himself and be super efficient at that with his catch and shoot three-point shooting his cutting things like that um, and like, that's a really good player, man. That's a really expensive player. Is that someone who you think you can kind of level up into being your number one option? I don't think the Raptors probably think that because they have Scotty Barnes already in the door and they have Pascal Siakam, who I think are always going to have an edge offensively in terms of creativity and things like that. But OG's a really fascinating piece. And there's plenty of people who think he does have sort of a more star turn type thing in his future. And, you know, maybe he gets a little bit more runway free of injury. Maybe that happens. I just don't know if on this team it happens. And I think that makes it pretty interesting to sort of say to another team, like, what do you think of OG? Like, right. do you want this guy? Cause like he could be something <laughs> awesome for you. He kind of is blocked on this team, but man, you give him the reins. He might be pretty amazing. <laughs> you better. Yeah. That, that, that is what I find. It's always when you look afar, right? You go, oh, I like that guy. Oh, I like to mm -hmm. have him. And they go, well, you can have him. Like, well, I don't mean like, I don't mean I want to have him have him. I just mean like, good for you. You've got a yeah. really talented player. I want a guy like him, but not quite him. So that, that is, there is that part of it. We're talking obviously about all these parts and pieces. Um, we'll come back in on the other side and talk about the Brooklyn Nets and, and we'll hear, this is always good hear from Sean Woodley and Toronto side. What do they want to know about the Nets organization? 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. And Adam, I don't know about you, but I don't know uh, diddly squat about cars. I'm a moron. I just need my car to get me to one place to another. And when I go to the mechanic, I am scared because I'm like, hi, my car's broken. I don't know what's broken. Can you fix it for me, please? And they'll say, yes, here's the part, the part you need. We're, we're going to charge you this much money for it because it's the only one we have in stock. And you're a moron who doesn't know better than you know what we're telling you. So here, pay full stock for this part which you could probably get for cheaper at rockauto.com if you go to rockauto.com they have a very easy to use website so easy that i can use it which is saying something because again i know nothing about cars i one time needed a gas cap for my car i just plugged in year make model gas cap and all of a sudden many options appeared i ordered a gas cap for like four bucks off rockauto.com the dealership was trying to charge me like 20 bucks to change it over that's ridiculous and that is obviously going to play out for bigger more expensive parts as well they got everything you need they've got you know brake parts and tail lamps the important stuff you got aesthetic stuff like carpets as well you can get it all at rockauto.com go check out their super easy to use website and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on and there had you hear about us box another we sent you it's rockauto.com amazing selection reliable low prices all the car parts you will ever need once again rockauto.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Grill me, Sean. I'm yeah. ready. Okay, so the Nets. I'm fascinated by the situation the Nets find. Everything's themselves. going great. Next question. I, I've heard. I've heard things are going swimmingly. Um, I'm sort of fascinated by where the Nets think they are in this negotiation in terms of like having the upper hand because – I can see it two ways. On one side, you could say they have all the power because they have Kevin Durant and everyone else wants Kevin Durant. So they can say, hey, pay us whatever we want for Kevin Durant. On the other side, they have the disgruntled star, his disgruntled pal, uh, and also everyone knows that they need to trade this guy. I don't really envision a world in which they can bring him back because that seems like a toxic stew that you don't want to eat. Like, where are the Nets in terms of, like, do they actually have the power in this negotiation? Or are they just kind of feeding all these sort of things, like, we want this, this, and this, to Woj, and then Woj is sort of spitting it all out, being like, they want they want everything. Like, are they going to have to come down on their ass? Because, like, I'm just looking at the market right now, Adam, and I see the Suns have the Aiton weirdness, which could, you know, kind of get derailed if the Pacers go and sign him or something yeah. like that. Uh, and also there's the hard cap and the base year compensation stuff that comes into play that's boring but makes it very complex for Aiton to be part of the sign and trade going back to the Nets for KD. That's where a team like the Raptors could in theory pop in as a third team as well to kind of grease the wheels. We can save that for another day, another crossover with our pal Brendan from Locked On Suns. But if he ever like, shows up, I mean, the, guy, the, guy, the guy's playing possum, incredibly he is scared a, out there in Phoenix. He's a very busy guy, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, but you've got the situation where, like, the Heat, I don't know why the Heat keep thinking their offer is anything. Tyler Hero, what are we talking about here? I, I don't really get it. The Pelicans are like the other team that's kind of been thrown out there as like having the goods to make a deal. They just signed Zion long-term. He figured to be maybe the piece going out in that kind of deal. And I just kind of keep coming back to like the Raptors are like the obvious trade partner here. 
And I don't know if the Nets are going to get like their full ask. I, I guess the question is, what is their full ask? And are they actually in a position where they can actually hold out to get that? Because the risk of bringing back KD and potentially Kyrie in October seems like it's so untenable. Where, where are you at with sort of where the Nets are in all of this? Yeah, and a lot of the fan base, you know, there's that there's that little bit of hope maybe that hey, you just you know, listen, players are disgruntled and people are thrown out in comments on, over on YouTube around hey, the Chicago Bulls, everybody hated each other on all sides, and they still <laughs> went and won. And you know, you go well, right? But they had already had a winning kind of formula there, or and you know, Kobe Bryant with the LA Lakers again, they had won, then they traded away Shaq, he became disgruntled, avoided a trade to Chicago, ironically, and then still brought in pieces, right? So yes, you can navigate these waters. And, and people have even said, you go out and you get TJ Warren right now. The Royce O'Neal trade for a first round pick for Royce O'Neal made kind of made sense in the moment when you thought Kevin Durant was coming back. Then Kevin Durant requests a trade and you immediately go, oh, OK, so where is the you know, where is the awareness from the organizational side? Right. Um, but those pieces, in theory, you go, oh, well, they fit really well around a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving team with Ben Simmons coming back, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's very unlikely that they're able to figure this out. And I, and I honestly think that it's on all sides. Like, I think that you took a shot on this a few seasons ago for, for a myriad of different reasons. And, and there, there legitimately is blame to go on around on all sides. The organization made mistakes. They made missteps in how they handled things, made missteps in signings that they chose to make. Some of the stars made poor requests around DeAndre Jordan, right? And players that they needed, maybe forcing out Kenny Atkinson, a coach that, does feel like he's capable of developing uh, young talent around superstars. He has, he's looked good in his supporting roles on some other coaching staffs in recent years. So those things all happen. Mm-hmm. And now you go, maybe we all just need a break from this. Like maybe just somewhere else is better for us. And from a Brooklyn perspective, it's maybe we're just better. Maybe we're best off getting back to what we did to get to that point of attracting superstars. Right. Finding guys that are being, you know, that are undervalued around the league, bringing them in, maximizing their potential swapping and turning over picks, eating some bad contracts. The caveat is the Brooklyn Nets know they need to be competitive because all their picks are sitting out there with Jackson Gatlin and the Houston Rockets, and they can't afford to be tanking over these next full se- next uh, few seasons. Their big ask, to your point, their big ask in this is they want back a guy that they feel is a superstar potential. They want right. the, the centerpiece to build going forward around, and that's where Toronto's case, Scotty Barnes comes comes into play. I think you know the Miami deal. That's that's a really tricky one because you have that rookie extension with Bam Adebayo. It doesn't make right. a ton of sense for Brooklyn for Miami to give up Bam Adebayo and say, well, now we don't have Bam Adebayo. He's kind of the guy you want there with Kevin Durant and with Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, the Pelicans are intriguing. Like even without Zion, you get into Ingram, um, you get into Herb Jones, obviously. Sure. But again, in all these discussions, Toronto included, the question you're asking if, if I'm Toronto or any of these teams is. How much am I sending out? And what do I still have here when I get back Kevin Durant? Because the the ask is, do we, I think conference finals, right? That's the mm-hmm. floor of any trade that you're going to make for Kevin Durant. We have to be conference finals with a pretty good shot of making the NBA finals. If we feel like we've locked that in, then the trade is worth it. But if if all of a sudden you're sending out Mac, mass packages in terms of players, let alone picks, and you go, we get a couple of rounds better, but there's no guarantee. That makes it really tricky, and maybe it is a shrinking market. Nets don't want DeAndre Ayton, so that takes kind of Phoenix off the board. The three-team is intriguing. Um, Maybe it is a shrinking market. Uh, Just the last point I'll make is the Nets, I think, do have some leverage in it that you're under control for four years, Kevin Durant. You're going to be 34 years old. If you don't want to play, 
if you don't want to play for Brooklyn, we get it, but we could start the season and you're just under contract and you could choose right. to sit out. Now that hurts us brutally, right? But maybe you're best off just coming back in for it for one more year. It's a really hard line to walk for Brooklyn because you're also signaling then to other superstars. Well, we may, we may go ahead and freeze you out regardless of who you think is right or wrong. Right? So the nets are trying to reclimate the reputation Mm-hmm. Get back value for superstars, turn the page, remain competitive, not have to tank. Like there's a lot of things that are trying to be accomplished here. I think it just comes down to are there teams around the league that say with Kevin Durant, here's a two to three year window where we maximize opportunities to win championships. Yeah. And I guess I have a couple questions sort of back to you off of that. Yeah. I guess one is the idea that they can't afford to be bad after making this trade. Isn't the Brook isn't the Rockets thing kind of a sunk cost anyway? Like, yeah, you don't want to see them get high picks, but like you've already made that trade. Shouldn't you just do what kind of is the best deal for you? Whether it's you just get a whole boatload of picks from some other team, or you get maybe like a hodgepodge of players. Like to me, the whole like we got to stay good thing feels a maybe a little far fetched if you're trading off Kevin Durant and. B, like, is that really necessary? Like, we we saw the Nets didn't really care about that when they traded all their picks for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the Celtics. Like, they were fine sort of being bad, kind of being in the muck and finding players and uncovering guys under rocks for a while there and giving up high picks, yes, but also sort of doing the build correctly. What is your sort of thought on it being a sunk cost anyway? Yeah, and it's a previous regime that that did that. Which, even though now it feels like it could be heading the same direction as far as what ended up being the net result um, from the Garnett and Pierce trade versus this one. Um, and I and I think from a from a organizational standpoint, obviously, hey, listen, superstars sell things for you, merchandise, tickets, mm-hmm. etc. Right. So I think that's a factor in wanting to be competitive. Is you're now you're in Brooklyn, you're firmly established there, and even if this iteration didn't work out, you don't want to fall off the cliff because you're selling to your fan base. This isn't going to be that thing again where we mm-hmm. you know go all the way back to the bottom and then try to build ourselves back up. Because remember, even in the last few seasons, it's not like we got the taste of conference finals and it didn't work out. We got <laughs> second round, right? So that that's a big part of this too. If this had been a little bit deeper playoff runs and then it still fell apart the same way for whatever reason you could probably go ah, yeah okay it didn't work out but we can we can take that step back it's like toronto winning the championship yeah if we sure. take a couple seasons back that's okay um so that part of it you know i, I get why the nets want to do that i think it is achievable even with marginal moves like warren like o'neill sumner has some real upside if he's healthy and these and these young players um the sunk cost piece i do the only thing is when you make a trade with toronto well toronto's going to be really good so those yeah. draft that draft capital is going to be back into the first round, right? Even if you get multiple first round picks in a package. Sure. So on the one hand, I look at it and go, yeah, you're not going to have that high draft capital. But if you believe organizationally in your ability to draft and develop talent and the Nets have done a good job in certain seasons with that, mm-hmm. then I think even late first round picks can still be viable. So, yeah, I, we talk so much about wanting to recoup that cost or stay competitive around it. I do agree with you in the sense of it happened. Like the, what, what yeah. do you always say in sports, right? It's like, don't throw or any or life. Don't throw good money after bad, right? You already yeah, made the yeah. mistake. So let's not yeah. compound it by trying to reclimate that all in one motion. It is what it is. If we can be competitive, great. But as long as we're moving forward and re and re restocking assets and talent, it just, it is what it is. And by the way, when you have Kevin Durant request a trade, a lot of things are going to be a is what it is scenario. 
Totally. And I guess one last thing before we pivot into sort of like a mock trade negotiation. I, I guess the like the overarching question here is, do you think the Nets are going to have to come down from their ask at some point here? Like, do you think they're going to have to move and say, you know what, we wanted package A, but it's just not out there for us. So we'll have to settle for package B and just wash our hands of this mess. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Rudy Gobert trade is everyone's holding that up. I think that that is a real misleading uh, package there. They got no good players back. What are we talking about? That's the first part of it. Although I will say uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt is an attractive uh, young prospect to me. There you go. Um, fine, fine. Nice supporting cast. But, but to your point, that's what I say. It's like the, the players are not the value there. The draft capital is. And it's the Minnesota Timberwolves who were in a, hey, like, we're going to take a swing here. Like, yeah. we might be able to hit the ground running. And by the way, they're bringing them in. They have questions around what does this rotation look like exactly? But so I that, think the you, Wolves are going to be awesome. I'm just, I, I, I think I'm in the, the minority here. I think they're going to yeah, rock. But, I think okay. it can totally work. But yeah, it's like, it's like, I want to see it now. Right. But the, and the point being is like, you can't use these as one-to-one comparisons. Um, yeah. And, and to, to that end, I think that, you know, the Nets are going to, we're going to get into these discussions, right? The Nets are going to ask for X from any number of teams. We want five first round picks and we mm -hmm. want these three players. And if it ends up being, four picks in the three players or, you know, five picks and two players and a couple of other smaller assets. Like, I, yeah, they may come down quote unquote, but I think that's, that, that's what's going on right now. Sean Marks said, listen, we don't need to rush on this. We can yeah. be patient. Now he may be internally nervous about what's going to happen next, <laughs> but he's setting the table of, listen, everybody get your ducks in a row, right? This came out of nowhere. Everybody take your time. We have all the way until October to sort this out. And I think it does afford other teams to kind of, go into self-evaluation mode and say, where are we? How close are we to maybe being competitive for a championship? Kevin Durant is obviously a missing piece for almost any team. What are we willing to do here? So I, everyone says, oh, it's a relatively you know, soft market. There's not a lot of traction. Yeah, right now, right? We're, hmm. we're within two weeks. We're 10 days from Kevin Durant ran out of nowhere asking for a trade. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of time for it to develop. But yeah, I think there's always going to be some level of compromise. And I think for fans, organizations, everything, we know what Kevin Durant is, but you're never going to get the the four quarters equals a dollar scenario. So you're going to have to accept that you're also banking on the upside of how you're going to use draft capital and what it's going to look like going forward. You just got to hope Sean Marks is not the equivalent of me on a road trip trying to hold in having to pee just so I'm not inconveniencing everyone. Be like, oh, it's fine. I'm patient. It's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then I violently promise. swerve <laughs> off the road into a ditch. And like, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to dig into the trade negotiation and try to come to some sort of quorum here between the Raptors and Nets in you know a package that might actually be workable. Before we do that, though, should tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world. And now they are taking over the marshmallow puff game as well with their brand new coconut brownie chunk puff coconut brownie chunk is like the best version of a built bar i've ever seen and the puff version i figures to be just as good and features all the lovely stuff that you expect from your built bars they got protein low sugar great source of energy a nice little meal replacement whatever you want it's covering you off. It's wonderful. And they are so, so good. Delicious, chewy, marshmallowy, covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen. They are good for you, too. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein as well, which absorbs more efficiently into your body, provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. It makes you feel like you're indulging big time, but you're actually having something that's pretty good for you. That is the trick that Built Bar pulls off seemingly 
every single time. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. And go get yourself some coconut brownie chunk puffs. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. We're looking to have a good conversation. We're hoping to have a nice start. Our friends to the north. Obviously, I am not going to do a Masai Ujiri impression. Just should so try. <laughs> we we are aware the talent that is Kevin Durant, aka KD, aka the Slim Reaper. But we believe we can get a package, give Toronto a chance at a championship. That's as far as that's going to go because it's only going to divulge into maybe Scottish, maybe New Zealand, ultimately British, and then completely devolve. But I, I feel pretty confident about what I accomplished there. Uh, Brooklyn and Toronto sit down. Let's, I mean, we said you have your package that you want to convince Sean Marks and the Brooklyn yeah. Nets of, and I have my, my, my pushback and where I want to go with it. But what what is that initial package that you feel like is th- this gets the job done? So I wonder if maybe we should start with you because right. my package is not going to include the guy who rhymes with Schmatty Schmarns. Uh, mm-hmm. Yours probably will. So maybe we start there and then sort of go backwards because I'm telling you right now, I would be stunned if the Raptors include Scotty Barnes in a Kevin Durant trade, but offer me something involving Scotty Barnes anyway, Adam. All right, I'll start with the I'll start with the big reach. We'll say sure. You know, this is the everything that we want. I would say we want Scotty Barnes. We want OG Ananobi. We also want, you know, now maybe I would say we want Butcher, but again, that gets into that waters of what are we leaving Toronto with? Uh, we'll take Ken Birch to help make money work. Precious Achua, let's throw him in there. And then when we just talk about picks. I'm going in there and saying I want 23, 25, 27, 29, and maybe some swaps. Sure. And there's Kevin Durant for you. That's my initial. That's my initial parlay over the fence. First of all, uh, you need to work on your French uh, intonation. Boucher, Chris Boucher, uh, say well, it with me. Chris Bo- Boucher. Boucher? Boucher? <laughs> you want to get a look at that guy, Boucher? <laughs> oh, very good. I'm feeling very good about where I'm at on that right now. It's not bad. Um, no, so, yeah. Like I said, anything anything with Scotty Barnes is going to be a non-starter for the Raptors. Not just because sure. Scotty Barnes is a huge piece of you know, the future. And he kind of ensures that even if you get KD in the door without giving him up and things don't go well, you have that sort of landing on the other side where it's like, well, KD's gone now, but also Scotty Barnes is 25 and we have him in his prime now. And, and yeah. I think that's the insurance they would need for a move of this level of risk. It also complicates things because Scotty Barnes only makes like 7.6 million bucks. And yeah. so you'd have to include another core piece like OG, like a Kemper, like a, a Gary Trent Jr. or whatever. So I think that makes it tricky because it leaves a lesser team for Kevin Durant to come and join, and it Mm -hmm. lowers the championship equity with more of those core pieces that go in to make the money work. In addition, if I'm the Raptors, I'm sitting there thinking, we're giving you Scotty Barnes. Like, this guy was just the rookie of the year. He's going to be on your team for at least eight more years. Like, 
we're not giving you picks. What are you talking about? Like, we'll give you some, maybe like one or two first rounders. We're not giving you the whole package with all the swaps or anything like that. Like, Scotty Barnes on his own as a trade asset is one of the few guys in the league that you could say is sort of on par in terms of overall player value as a 34 year old Kevin Durant. Obviously, Durant's better right now, but you have to bake in the long term aspects of it as well. And so I think the Raptors are really rebuffing at that, especially if the pick package is involved. And so I'll counter back to you. I think Scotty Barnes is coming out. I think the Raptors would be fine, including all the picks. I think that's something where, you know, they trust their ability to find second rounders and late first rounders, you know, because they still have the swaps, obviously, which won't be Mm -hmm. great picks. But I would imagine that they won't even be swapped because they'll probably be a better team than Brooklyn over the life of this deal. And so I think they're probably saying, you know what, picks, fine. We can part with those. No big deal. OG Ananobi, I feel like, has to be part of it just because, A, he makes 18 million bucks, and B, like, he's a guy that you can sell the nets on. He was someone who people were projecting to be most improved player and to make the All-Star game this last year. It didn't work out. He had some injuries. The team sort of construct didn't work in his favor, but there's still that upside there. He's still just 24 years old, 25 years old. Like, he's a good, good player who, again, is one of the best defenders alive and, in theory, is a really nice fit with Ben Simmons, assuming Ben Simmons is going to be who the team is built around going forward. You smirk at that. I'm sorry. Just, no, no, <laughs> it, it, no. It's, it's, just, it's just the uncertainty of it all. It's like, yeah, totally. Like, totally. And then Ben Simmons is traded. Like, it's just, you know, yeah. who knows? But yes. 100%. So then from there, OG is sort of the big centerpiece. And then to make the money work, I'm also throwing in Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who I think a lot of people have high aspirations for. I think I'm personally a little lower on him than a lot of people are, but he does have shot creation. He's a very good three-point shooter. He became a pretty useful defender this season. I wouldn't say good defender, but he's good at jumping passing lanes, can kind of drive your transition attack. Like, he's an event maker on defense, less so a, like, good, stout, one-on-one defender. Pretty good team defender, I would say. Um, And obviously, he's 23 years old. He obviously is a guy who probably has some upside to tap into here. So I'm throwing him into the deal as well. And I think the deal that Raptors fans are kind of dreaming of, and the deal that I assume is probably on the table from the Raptors right now will remain so until the Nets say, fine, we'll take it, is OG plus Trent plus all the picks. That probably doesn't do it. Like, I would, I would, I'm guessing you're going to have a rebuttal for me right now, but yeah. that I think is the package that the Raptors are comfortable with. And because they're not in a position where they simply have to make a move, I think that's probably where they're coming in that right now. Now you had also mentioned just before because I do I, I do want to tap into this counter and it and it involves yeah. this 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 caveat when we were talking before getting on you had mentioned the idea of trying to get Seth Curry included yeah. in this package coming back as well so sure. in that scenario you're talking about OG and Trent and Birch maybe Precious Achua picks yeah. but you're looking to get Seth Curry as well right. I, that would that would be fine. I think Seth is kind of the guy who has to come in if it goes bigger than the OG Trent combo, just for okay. salary matching purposes, right? And I'm thinking, all right, how can you sort of replace some of what you lose with Gary Trent Jr.? And also in that deal that I kind of speculated with you, Precious Achua is going out. And yeah. he's a guy I know the Raptors are super high on. And if you haven't watched Precious Achua, I get it. But if you saw what he did in the back part of the season, I think you'd be pretty thrilled as well. He was an incredible, again, one of those 10 guys alive who can guard all five positions. He knocked down like 40% of his threes down the back stretch of the season on like four attempts a game. There's a lot there to like with Precious Achua. And so I think if the Raptors were to have to include him, they would probably want at least some sort of depth coming back to fill out the roster. 
and I liked I liked him coming out, and it was like a little yeah. de- little deflating when you saw him initially in Miami, but he certainly yeah. has developed nicely. I mean, a little deflating could be an understatement, but here's what <laughs> I got curious about because you mentioned Seth Curry, and, and and listen, if you know, I think that these are the way these are going to go. Toronto's yep. going to say there's no way you can touch Scotty Barnes. They're going to give an offer, and that's going to go okay. But on Scotty Barnes, if we could just if we could just get back to Scotty Barnes here, but sure. I wondered if if I said keeping Ken Birch in there for money, keeping Precious Achua a little bit of upside and saying, you know what, I'm also, give me a flyer there on a, on, on a Watanabe as well, who's been a disappointment. But He's he a UFA. To... He's a UFA. So they yeah, can't, and this would they, be a yeah. sign. Yeah, this would be a bring yeah. him back in for the little extra money. And the reason why I say the little extra money is because um, Gary Trent Jr. and Scotty Barnes. So this again, like I try to put my mind in, in the mind of Toronto. Sure. Okay, if we're getting Kevin Durant back and we still have OG and we still have Siakam, and we still have Bucha, then we give ourselves <laughs> a really, like, this is a really good team. This is a yeah. team that we think we're going conference finals. We're trying to get to the finals. We think that over the next two, three seasons, we're going to have two cracks at winning a championship, and that makes all the sense in the world for us. Now, I'm not, it, picks are flying around here. It's all great. But the one thing I, that did it did strike my mind was, because I think Seth Curry has market value for the Nets, especially the trade deadline. He's going to be someone that someone would throw a first-round pick at you for to add to their sure. contending team. But I started to think, okay, what could I give back to Toronto that says, you want a guy that that maybe has some of that superstar potential, low level, that that, that has already proven he can do it at the NBA level? And I guarantee Nets fans are like, what are we talking about here? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Cam, Cam Thomas. What if I said that I would send back Cam Thomas with Kevin Durant in a package that included Scotty Barnes and leaves out OG? Does that, you know, whether or not it's still listen, you're still talking Scotty Barnes, but does that change it a little bit where you're like, hey, here's a young talent, obviously a scoring talent, and you're keeping this next three-year window at least with OG there to say we can we can win and we can, and really high-level opportunity to win, it feels like, if you keep sure. all that length and add in Kevin Durant. Yeah, look, I've made the point that I think in terms of like leaving behind the best team for Kevin Durant to join, like Scotty Barnes is probably part of that deal because it allows you to keep probably Pascal and at least one of OG or Gary Trent Jr. So I can see the logic of it. I don't think Cam Thomas is moving the Raptors when it comes to Scotty Barnes. I, you know, he's kind of a one-dimensional sort of one-way type player. The Raptors prioritize two-way play, and also Cam Thomas is not six foot nine, which is the, what the Raptors front office is very horny for. So allegedly, uh, <laughs> he could be. Yeah, he's still so, growing. Yeah, I, I I don't really think that moves them when it comes to Scotty. Like, if there was a different sort of like next tier prospect out there, maybe that helps them kind of reckon it a little bit. But I just think that the gulf between Barnes and, and Cam Thomas is so wide yeah, the, yeah, that I just page. I don't see that going down. Well, so I mean, it makes it fascinating because after that point, as you say, like, you know, and by the way, that the Raptors can only end up increasing their what they have on their books by like just under ten million. So when we're talking yeah. about all these iterations, it's like the money going in and out. Raptors can only increase by like nine point nine million. Hit that ten million dollar <laughs> mark, and it's over. And that's why, even if Brooklyn said. Listen, let's 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 keep having this dialogue. Let's get all these picks involved. Let's talk about Nicholas Claxton. I know he just got brought back, but it's like, you know, let's go into the players we have. The problem is, is every single time you do this, and this is why we've talked about a third team getting involved sometimes, is yeah. because it makes it really hard for the Nets to say, what else do we have? And it isn't about like and Nets fans hate this. It's not sweetening the deal, but it's just about creating this balance, right? If you want to have sure. this version where you get back Scotty Barnes. Getting a third team in that maybe says, and here's a perimeter shooter, right? Here's a, a Seth Curry type of player, or another guy comes out for Toronto and allows those things to facilitate. I guess the, the bottom line for me is, is there's you're saying that there is no world 
Like push comes to shove. It's back mm -hmm. and forth. You're going back and forth. You're down to the final wire. Now Kevin Durant's people have had backdoor conversations with Siakam and OG and everyone in <laughs> Toronto. He goes, dude, like I, I, this is what I want. Like I want to come to Toronto. It was reported yeah. that he watched them growing up and loved those uniforms and Vince Carter. That's true. Raptors fans really lashed onto that in his last free agency. <laughs> do they, do they, do they not break on, on Scotty Barnes? You know what I mean? Cause I get, I think everything you're saying makes sense. And mm -hmm. it's talking about like Sean Marks is like, I get it. I, I get, I get, I get what Scotty Barnes. I totally get it. And yep. that's what it's going to take to get Kevin Durant. Like how damaging would it be to the fan base or to the organization to end up saying, Nope. We did not get Kevin Durant because this 20-year-old who we we really love but hasn't at least proven it fully yet. Yeah. We said, no, we're sticking with this. And by the way, our ceiling is now, you know, mid-playoffs or et cetera for the next two or three seasons. And then we get into OG's contract, Siakam's contract, Trent Jr. only has two years left, right? Like this feels like a fine line for Toronto of mm -hmm. being we go all in for championships right now, or we have two years before we really may have to take a, a rewind here. See, I don't agree with the rewind coming. Honestly, I, I think like they've set themselves up that they're going to pay their guys. They've they're known for paying their guys. Mm -hmm. They're they're not afraid to pay the luxury tax. And if in two years time, this team, which I think is totally on the table, considering how good Pascal is, how good Scotty Barnes is, Fred Van Vliet's an all star. Like this is a loaded team in terms of like prospective talent. I, I think oh, you know they. What? Sorry. Yeah, is is Siakam completely off the table in these discussions as well? There's just such a curiosity because it feels that's like a, a foregone fascinating conclusion. one to yeah. me because that's the easiest trade, right? It's right, just like Siakam the, the, for KD right. essentially, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, well, give me salary. Trent Junior because he's yeah. in between there, or whatever, or give me all these other guys. Like obviously the money lines up really well there, yeah, and it becomes very very pick heavy in that scenario potentially. But again, yeah, two years left, twenty you know twenty eight, twenty nine years old, but. Does that make sense for Toronto or just, you know, the organization? They go, well, he's been our guy. Like he's the guy that I was think, here. And I, I think there's that. Him. I yeah. think like Masai loves him. The, the franchise loves him. They've, they've stuck with him through some downs and ups and everything like that. They love him a lot. And I think they want him to be around. I also think that the part of the appeal of getting KD is to pair him with Pascal Siakam. That is like yes, such a like kill. That, that might the, be the best duo in the NBA full stop. If you pair them together, which because is why of how Scotty Barnes should be on the table for you. I get what you're saying. The best duo. <laughs> but this, so you see the nets are in this position where they have very few options. They're under pressure. They got all this stuff hanging up. The Raptors are chilling, man. Like, I think they could take or leave Kevin Durant and they're fine with it because they know they have Scotty Barnes in, in the door. And, there's a world in two years where this team is contending for conference finals and finals anyway, because of the internal growth that you expect is going to come. Yeah. And Scotty Barnes could be that good. Like we've seen it happen with other sort of meteoric stars recently. John Morant, Luka Doncic. These guys right. are starting to lead their teams to the promised land a lot quicker than they used to. And I think they kind of envision the same future here with Scotty Barnes, especially as maybe some teams in the East start aging out. You've got the Bucks. Maybe they start to kind of crumble a little bit with all their older pieces around Giannis. The Heat are as old as hell. Uh, like, there's a pathway here for two, three years from now for, like, the East to be run by the Celtics, Raptors, Pistons, and Cavs. And I, I think that is always going to be what keeps them from putting Scotty Barnes in a deal. I would be floored if he's involved in a trade just because they value him so highly and the risk involved in a KD deal the potential downsides especially if you're giving up the guy who is your bridge to the future I think it's too much and so it's not a matter of well you got to add Scotty Barnes to get the deal done it's like no no, no we could just hang out and not just just not trade for Kevin Durant and like you don't yeah. get Kevin Durant 
that sucks, but also you still have Scotty Barnes. And just for a little context, I did a poll on my YouTube channel for my viewers uh, a couple days ago, just sort of, hey, hey, door number one, you trade Scotty Barnes plus all the, uh, like whatever picks the, and you know, whatever salary you need to make work for Kevin Durant, 90% of people said no. Like Raptors fans are very much married to Scotty Barnes in a way I think the franchise is as well. Maybe that's silly, but also I think there's also the appeal of just rooting for a guy who's so bloody likable, who's riding around in scooters and shoppers drug marts in Toronto taking photos with people. Like he is so beloved here already that I think like the emotional heft of it, in addition to the crazy upside he has, keeps them from putting him into a deal. And that's what's fascinating about like the emotionality of it from the fan. They were like totally. every, every single Nets fan is if it's not Scotty Barnes, you can't, there's no way drop dead Toronto, you know, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, it's like Toronto compared to say a Phoenix, right? Like Phoenix is desperate in some ways, yeah. right? You have Chris Paul, the win, this window is very much closing there as opposed to the way it is with Toronto, as opposed to the way it is even down for the Pelicans, right? Like, yes, obviously it'd be a seismic shift for a young team that feels like they're on the verge, but you're also talking about sacrificing something that maybe, again, the, the dirty little secret that not everyone wants to acknowledge is not everything is about a championship every single year, right? 100%. It can also just be about sustained success, stability, and that's something that the Nets are trying to get back to and something that the Toronto Raptors have always done a pretty good job with. So, man, it'll be fascinating how this all plays itself out. I do I do want to know in the heart of hearts of like the organizations of the GMs, right? Yeah. Where are they really on this and how much of it is posturing around value? Even if, even if Scotty Barnes has been great of other go. Yeah. And we're going to tell you how great he is. And we're going to yeah. eat you over the head with it. Cause he's 20 years old and we're going to maximize And by, by the way, maybe that's where they come to the table and they say all these picks, man, like, Hey, Scotty Barnes, you want to put Scotty Barnes even near the table. Yeah. Let's go ahead and just start wiping away those first round picks that you're talking about. And I think totally. that's a that's a big difference, I will say, to Nets fans who go Scotty Barnes and OG plus throw in Trent and I want a handful of picks. It's like, again, you can't strip the team that he's that this player is going to go to and tell that tell that that organization it's still valuable to you. So you have to have a reasonable expectation that sometimes everyone not going home fully satisfied is mm -hmm. where everyone actually wins. And also, my last point on this before, because we're going long, but this is yeah. fascinating stuff, and I could talk about this. I've talked about it all week. I could talk about it for another week. But, like, who are the Raptors bidding against that forces them to put Scotty Barnes in, right? Well, like, that, that, There's I no team out there with an asset as good as Scotty Barnes to offer. Why would they go ahead and just be like, yep, Scotty Barnes on the table? Like, they're bidding. It's like the Jazz, the, the Wolves bidding against nobody for Rudy Gobert. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, and this would be saying, like, and not whatever these players are at, like, if, if the Pelicans said, Herb Jones and Ingram and other things, right? Sure. Well, now you're starting to say, hey, here's two young talents that have real upside that can be franchise foundation pieces. Now mm -hmm. Toronto, hey, now we're coming back to this Scotty Barnes conversation. You're right on that. It's like you have to hear that the market is is bubbling up here in order to force yeah. some teams to make some difficult decisions. Um, and like Tyler Hero, th that's an easy one to trump. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, because I said, I threw it out, like we've been doing all these trade things, and I had it on an episode with Doug, and he was like, I don't know why. He's like, everyone seems obsessed with getting Tyler Hero in this deal. He's like, maybe, he's like, maybe I don't get it. Like, he's a guy, but he's yeah. not like, okay, he's a, sh he's a shooter. I mean, like, he's not, I'm not going to look at Tyler Hero in in three years if Tyler Hero was anywhere else other than Miami or Brooklyn or wherever he goes. It, I, I don't see him as being a needle mover. So 100%. That's why I he's think a about walking Miami piece of barbecue chicken with a jumper. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that being the case.
Um, we'll see how it plays out. Though we'll probably there'll be more time for crossovers like this. I think. I'm um, sure we'll talk about this again. Yeah, I don't think this is going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> and by and by the way, um, we usually do over on our show. You can follow obviously. Get locked on Raptors over on YouTube. Get it on the podcast feed. Follow Sean Woodley on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Follow everybody on Twitter. Um, but do you have? We like to get out the door with a little bit of quotes. And right. I was trying to find a good one here. But let's just say that uh, we don't need to over, go overboard here. Anyone that thinks their baby is a genius, people find it delightfully refreshing when I tell them my baby, totally average, like 100% average. And that's Ryan Reynolds, my friends. <laughs> Canadian royalty, baby. That's it, man. We, this is awesome. I, normally, I, I, end, I end the show, but this, this gets very convoluted when there's two leading hosts here. I just say, so long, Sean. Bye, Adam. Uh, yeah, this is awkward. See you. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.